I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Cy Wilmore. This is the second series of The Journey Podcast where we're speaking to the writers and photographers who've contributed to issue two of Journey Magazine. And as such, I'm joined by Ross Clark, a writer and editor who specializes in travel, food and wine. Thanks for joining us, Ross. Hope you're keeping well today. I am. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much for joining us. Pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Whereabouts are you calling in from at the moment? Uh, So I'm actually in Cardiff at the moment. Um, I, as well as being a a journalist, freelance journalist, I am a university lecturer uh, at Cardiff and that's actually, I'm at the university at the moment. Fantastic. How's that going in the first few weeks? How are the kids settling in? The students Uh, settling in, I should say. Yeah, settling in really well. I think it's, you know, always a big shock for of both course, right. lecturers and students first <laughs> couple of weeks of term. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're settling in nice, which is and, which is good. And you haven't been struck down too badly by the freshest flu or similar? Not yet. I've got a bit of a cold, uh, oh. but I'm hoping it doesn't develop into full-on freshest flu. Fingers as I touch wood, haven't had that since... I was a freshman myself. Since you were an actual fresher. Well, fingers crossed you, you managed to avoid it. We're both, in case you can't hear it, folks, Ross has obviously got a bit of a sniffle. I've got a, th- a thumping sore throat. So we're going to do our best to, to get through this. We've dosed up on on coffee and vitamin C, so we'll, we'll yeah. get through this. Ross, tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you came from, what you studied, and how you got into travel writing. Yeah, sure. I am um, from Newport in South Wales originally. Uh probably best known these days for Goldie Looking Chain and <laughs> Josie Darby and the Drag Queen Taste. And uh, uh, and that song, The Empire State of Mind, kind of Mickey Take. Do you absolutely, yeah. The comic relief one, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So all, all I, quality, all that. quality entertainment. Exactly. When <laughs> I say Newport, that tends to be what people think of. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm from there originally. Uh, I went to university in Swansea. I kind of straddled the South Wales coast, basically, sure. um, and studied languages. I did Spanish um, at university. Fantastic. And then... Um, I was after university, I was an English teacher for a little while and worked in marketing and then realized that it's not what I wanted to do. So I decided <laughs> to go back to university, came to Cardiff um, to study a master's in journalism, Fantastic. which is great full circle because it's the course I now teach 
uh, which is pretty oh, Of course, right. So you're actually a master's professor. Or what do we call it? Master's teacher, master's professor, lecturer, master's lecturer. Yeah. Lecturer. That's the one. Much more. I'll take all of the above titles. If you, you can want have all of the. I couldn't fit them all into your introduction, but <laughs> but we'll bear that in mind. So uh, so you've uh, studied uh, Spanish for your for your original undergrad. That was right. Uh, yeah. And then moving into kind of a journalism. How did that kind of transformation happen from from pure Spanish to a more writing, more journalism focused? Yeah, well, I guess I. I, when I worked in marketing after I'd, I'd done the, mm. my undergrad, um, and I did m- quite a lot of marketing copywriting. Um, and the more writing I did, the more I enjoyed it. And I dabbled in journalism throughout university, like lots of people do, sure. um, you know, written for the student newspaper, that kind of thing. Um, and then thought, actually, I think this is the, the road I want to go down, the route I want to go down. But I didn't really know how to be a journalist or how to write necessarily in a, mm-hmm. a good way. So I needed some some help with that. Cool. And Accredited. I knew this course at Cardiff um, was good and they did specialised in magazines, which is the area I wanted to go into. Um, and I was lucky enough to get on the course um, and do that. And it was it was a good fit, actually. Great. Um, actually, and using language skills generally um, worked quite well. Well, definitely. And it, it makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, moving into to what you are now, which is arguably you know, a travel writer or journalist that specializes in, in Spain and the Canary Islands. So I guess those kind of two things have, have created the perfect storm to to take you where you are today. Yes. I don't know whether that was a planned route or whether <laughs> that kind of fell on my lap. Uh, really, but, um, It works and it's been working it for totally me quite works. well, which is nice. And I think, I think that depending on who you speak to, it feels like travel writing or travel journalism or travel photography, any of the above, it is that kind of thing where don't really know what happened and now I'm a travel writer so many people you know we were just saying you know I was I was an engineer by education Sue Watt who was on the show a couple of weeks ago has an MBA uh you know people have gone everything from should we call it kind of white collar jobs is it or big business folks all the way through to the kind of maybe the more kind of traditional if such a thing exists the more traditional route of working at the regional, you know, building your way up yeah. through the through the rags, as we used to call them, and then somehow leaping across into travel. It takes all sorts, this industry. It's, uh... it's always, if I speak to any travel writer, yeah, it's always that thing of, so how did you start doing this? Yeah. And they go, well, it's a funny story, actually. <laughs> exactly right. And it seems to be the case for everyone. And it's never the same story. Everyone never. seems to have kind of just not necessarily fallen into travel writing, because it's mm. quite a nice thing to aspire to do, but it's not like... Yeah, so I was uh, I was chasing my master's in engineering, and I had a midlife crisis, and here we are, kind of thing. That's that's exactly the kind of traditional like, the traditional route by not being traditional. Ross, tell yeah. us a little bit about your kind of your early days in your in your travel writing career. What were your kind of first jobs or first commissions? Sure. So I, like I say, I graduated pretty much from the course, and I knew I needed some kind of clippings and work, sure. um, and I always had. I thought I might want to go into travel, either travel or food. Um, both really tricky things to get into. The only other one I think is probably sport is on the oh, similar yeah. similar playing field. Um, ah, beautiful. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I had to kind of look around for, for any any kind of opportunities. And luckily, I was on a holiday in Dubai, of all oh. places, and thought i wonder if i can just get some work experience while i'm here um had a nosy in the in-flight magazine emirates in-flight magazine open skies at the time um saw the editor's name thought that sounds vaguely welsh i'll just (laughs) drop him a line um turns out that we were from the same place he was like come into the office have a couple of days of experience that's amazing 
So I went in, it's, I got to write a few things, you know, the small nibs in the front yeah, or whatever, yeah. and then came back to the UK and thought I, I need to do more now. Luckily, he contacted me and said, we need a freelance staff writer to just write all the, I guess what you'd say, the snoozy bits of the airline mag, you know, the business news of what, <laughs> sure, you know, we've sure, got a new sure. route, we've got all these kind of things. Oh, all the classic stuff. Um, I mean, it's, yeah, but stuff a... that, you know, gave me clippings I could do. It was paid, which is amazing for Fabulous. me as a new writer. Um, and so I dabbled in that. And then that was brilliant for a, a couple of months. Um, but I knew I wanted, you know, to get a, a more permanent mm-hmm. gig. Um, so I actually moved more in towards food and worked for Tesco magazine yeah. um, for quite a while. Um, and then decided, ah, I've had enough of this. I want to go back to Spain to live. <laughs> uh, did that for a while. And then was convinced to come back to be the social media editor for British Airways, which is Fantastic. when it really kick-started, yeah. I suppose, my travel stuff. Um, and it was a freelance gig. Uh, just, yeah, this was in the days of creating content for uh, Instagram was only images. Yeah. We had to do uh, Google Plus, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. I quite enjoyed that for about three months. It was really cool. Uh, yeah, kind of like with oh, Twitter, LinkedIn, like it was a bit of everything yeah, um, yeah, yeah. when it was, I suppose it's still relatively early days for social taking off for content, um, but very, very fun. And then, yeah, kind of went from that into more editorial, I guess, classic editorial. So it was um, edited on The Club, which is British Airways online magazine, sure. and BA.com which was uh, meant launching content, actual editorial articles on BA.com for the first time. You were the launch editor. That's Which fantastic. was super exciting. Wow. Um, and I did that for quite, quite a while, actually. It was a brilliant job getting to write all about I, I, I went to every London restaurant, I think, at one point, every Dude, new opening. Lord, it was fantastic. Um, and for a, you know someone who likes food, <laughs> it was dream perfect. Job. Yeah, absolutely perfect. That is fantastic. And you, that was you... kind of the starting bits. You were doing some bits in, in hotel publishing as well, is that right? Yeah, so I went from there to Mandarin Oriental Hotel Group, um, again, in a freelance capacity initially, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of went on staff, um, but ended up look at, well launching their new content site again. So the running theme here. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Mandarin Oriental Magazine online. Um, it was an integrated website, so it meant that you could actually book straight off editorial content, which was the first for them. Very nice. Um, and then that kind of expanded into their global social channels, um, all sorts of cool stuff, uh, such as voice tours, GPS voice tours, WeChat magazines. Um, also, again, I mean, WeChat magazines? Yeah, that... so in uh, China, yeah, using WeChat, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the app, which is huge in, in China. It's not just a uh, chat app there, is it? It's kind of all stuff. Absolutely. You can pay on it. You can do loads of stuff on it. Mm. Um, and Lord, yeah, with the, the team that was in Hong Kong, um, helping to launch their first magazine on that, essentially Amazing. with some content and some cool stuff, um, which was a brilliant experience because I don't know, didn't know loads about WeChat, of course, but I was coming at it from an editorial point of view, like this is what I think good content is definitely, and what's good uh, for the brand. Um, and then working with a Chinese editor and, and different things to, to bring that together. So it was so, so fun for all these different projects, uh, which is what I love. That's you know, fantastic. Doing, all sorts of stuff. Becoming a bit of a launch editorial specialist, it sounds yes, like. Yes, and I didn't even realise that was happening, I suppose. But <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, great to have the opportunity to to do something new, try things out, um, and have a, you know, put my own spin on things. They, I Definitely. think this is how it should be. Um, and someone, wonderful you know, go thing, with it. right? Set yeah, the, set the, the tone results. for the future. Yeah. Of course, afterwards, you know, people 
staying on the website, wanting to read things, looking at content. <laughs> so, oh, great. It's doing a good job. It's doing what it's supposed to do. That's fantastic, Ross. Uh, amazing story. And again, kind of completely different to anybody else you might you might speak to about how you how you became a travel writer, how you became a travel photographer or kind of anything in between. Yeah, do, it's Dubai... interesting. Sorry, I was going to say, I think it's interesting. A lot of people tend to go from, I guess, traditional journalism or traditional travel writing into more branded content sure. where I've gone the other way, which <laughs> I think is quite an interesting journey. Um, Fantastic. I, I mean, it's uh, it's absolutely fascinating. So kind of Dubai via um, uh, Spain, it was for a bit. Yeah. And now obviously based back in the UK. Let, let's talk a bit about your time in Spain, kind of where were you based within Spain and and. Ultimately, I guess this is what's led to you becoming a Canary Islands expert or Canary Islands specialist. A lot of people would know you as. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your kind of your your journey. Let's not say journey because that's just a bit <laughs> on the nose. But your your time in Spain. Absolutely, yeah. I, well, you're quite right. It is how I have kind of found my niche. Sure. Um, so, as part of my undergraduate degree in Spanish, I had to do a year abroad, mm-hmm. as most people do. They study languages, and I did a a British Council assistantship. So I was an English teacher for that year. And you got sent to a place that you you had a bit of a choice, but not much. And I got sent to Gran Canaria as the place. Not a bad gig, really. Uh, working 12 hours a week, Monday to Thursday. Pretty decent. I could be on the beach um, by about two o'clock every day. It was Oh, that's nice. just not fair. 12 hours a week? 12 hours a week was, at the time, the British Council of Citizenship. Um, yeah, it was... I don't know whether it's changed now. Perhaps you do more hours. I'm not sure. Um, but it it was ideal for, I mean, you know. It's almost impossible to do less. So presumably. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm what... not saying I didn't work really hard while I was I in believe school. Him. I believe you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I went there. I'd never been to the Canary Islands before that at all, even on holiday before wow. I moved there. So it was a big shock. I don't think my Spanish was that great at the time either. <laughs> and then I arrived via Madrid where I pretty much understood everything was going on. You know, what people were saying to get to the Canaries where the Spanish is very different. It's a hybrid of Latin American Spanish and uh, Spain Spanish, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Lots of different vocab. The accent is quite different. Um, and I got there and thought, hang on a minute, I don't understand what's going on. This is not what I've learned at all. Um, But it's funny now that if I speak Spanish to anyone, they immediately ask me if I'm from the Canary Islands because my accent and everything I say in the vocab. Because I actually nailed that exact dialect now. Yeah. The funniest bit actually was in the school. In fact, I went back to live there again and and teach uh, a few years later. In the school that I taught in, the the students kept saying this word which i didn't know what the word was and i thought it's this spanish word it could be a canarian term i'm not sure um and so i asked the other english teachers i said what they keep saying this word to me and i've no idea what it is i've looked it up and they said oh what 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 is it and i said it's something a bit like and they went what's your name what are you on about (laughs) and i was like what do you mean it's my name because they they kind of aspirate s's on the ends of words in the canaries right my name with two S's just disappeared and it became this kind of sound, <laughs> which I just thought was the most amazing thing. But, you know, I didn't think my name could be shortened any more than it is. Uh, just, it? I'm going to practice that now. What was it? Roch. Roch. Yeah. Roch. So it's Roch. almost gets lost in the... in the Yeah, you kind of swallow it. Good Lord. So for what, how many months people were using this word and you didn't Oh, really... at least the first two months when I was there. <laughs> and I just thought... It's something they, they they must just say this word. 
you know. <laughs> it must just be a general thing that. Yeah, and I'll figure it out eventually. I'll, I'll start using it myself. That you would have looked like a, a bit of a weirdo if you had started using it, right? Just, just like, talking about myself. Yeah, what's up, Ross? Yeah, Ross, great to see you. Uh, no, no, that's that's your name, mate. Uh, well, yeah. I'm glad that you avoided that. I, do you know what? Well, I'm, some of the folks listening might know that I used to live in in France, and funnily enough, the things sometimes the things that you think are the going to be the easiest to pick up, the easiest to relate to, and kind of maybe infer from context are often the weirdest I had a, uh, the weirdest and the most difficult to understand for ages i was having a, a conversation with a with a french guy you know my french was was pretty good i was living out there and we were speaking for kind of movies and stuff and and the guy the you know grenoble grenoble living uh, guy said said we smeeze i'm thinking we we how are you spelling like you know i speak french so you try to go through in your mind like what are the sounds that he's making that kind of refer yeah. back to, to, to you know, English words to things that might, you know, Simon becomes Simon. So you go like, oh, so the I sounds like an E sound. What could it be? We sneeze. And I'm just like, well, we could be here for decades. And we start trying to cycle <laughs> through what, and a bit, eventually we get to Independence Day. Oh, Will Smith. Will Smith. Oh, my God. That's great. Which means, and he's, like, and he's looking at me like I'm an idiot. Like, he's probably the most famous actor in the world yeah. at this point. So there you go, guys. If you ever wanted to know how to say Will Smith in French and Grenoble French at that, oh, which means, there you go. Uh, so, yeah. and, and, and Ross in Canarian was... Oh, okay. Every day's a school day, folks. Hopefully yeah, exactly. You're learning something. Um, so, you, yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, I probably haven't answered your question. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I lived there so probably for about three years in total in the Canaries. Uh, most of the time in Grand Canaria, but some of the time in Tenerife as well. Fantastic. Um, and then um, I I made amazing friends. I've got a sort of Canarian family now yes, that yes. I I kind of go back to, which is lovely. Um, it's great for cheap accommodation for a start, <laughs> uh, if nothing else, and uh, wonderful food. Um, but I absolutely got this love of the Canary Islands in that time. Um, they are. So so interesting history wise um there's such a clash of different cultures from latin america from northern europe from spain from north africa sure um it, and it encompasses everything from architecture to food to everything there's all the all of these really cool mixes and wine fusions and wine fantastic wine Who wouldn't um, want to go there is yeah it's something that's actually growing if you can find it in the supermarket let me know <laughs> um i'll be buying all of it uh yeah and then when i wanted to be a freelance journalist you know or i thought i need i want to write articles more articles um everyone kind of told me you needed some kind of niche because travel writing in the broadest sense you know you're never gonna make it that way sure. um so i thought well, what do i know about <laughs> other than wales which i do write about wales obviously <laughs> yeah, where i'm from um I thought, well, the obvious one here is is the Canary Islands. I know lots about it. I've learned a lot of the history. I know the language. I know the food. Um, and so I thought, well, let's let's do that. Let's make that, or try and make it at least, the area that I I can write about. I know about. Um, and so a lot of my work is mm-hmm. is based on the Canary Islands now. Um, and thankfully, I'm I'm more known for it. Uh, I, you know, it's not quite so hard to to get those pictures across these days. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's good to, you you know, to, to be the go-to guy of a destination is in some ways being a freelancer. That's like the goal, right? To go, like, mm. oh, we need something on Tenerife. Oh, hang on, Ross Clark or, or, or you know, yes. Gran Canaria. And, and I mean, funnily enough, that's going to lead us quite beautifully into the next <laughs> part of the conversation because... Uh, I guess many people won't have even heard of La Graciosa or La Graciosa, I guess, in kind of Spanish, Spanish. Mm. Um, but funnily enough, you wrote about the island for Journey magazine issue two. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your experience uh, with La Graciosa and, and how you got involved with Journey in the first place. Yeah, certainly. Uh, well, La Graciosa is an interesting one. It's actually the eighth official Canary Island. Mm-hmm from i think it was 2018 it became the eighth fish clearance um and it's a tiny island on the top of lanzarote yeah um and you can get a boat over it's beautiful beautiful uh there are no roads there at all asphalt roads it's wow. all kind of um compacted uh earth um and there are no cars allowed other than the jeep taxis that take you around or you can cycle or you can walk. It's a beautiful, beautiful island. There's, there's barely anything. It's protected. Part of it is protected natural park. Um, it has one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful beach I've ever been to in my life. Wow. Um, one of those, you know, that kind of you arrive and think, does this exist? Am I dreaming? <laughs> yeah. Um, absolutely beautiful. But it's, it's a really interesting island as well, geographically, um, for the Canaries. Um yeah, interesting, I was, interesting in what way? I mean, is it is it volcanic or is it what what makes it, it interesting? Yeah, it's volcanic, uh, super volcanic, but all of the islands are so different. Yeah. Um, so, for example, you've got La Palma, which people might know from the volcanic eruption from last year. Mm-hmm. Um, that is very green as an island. It's very lush. I always think it's like Jurassic Park and you expect <laughs> a sort of pterodactyl or a T-Rex to swoop in any moment. Um, <laughs> uh, Gran Canaria has a microclimate, so it's very, very dry and hot in the south, um, cold in the centre, and then very green and lush in the north. Um, Lanzarote, Fuerteventura is pretty much all desert. Yep. It's very, yeah, very dry. Lanzarote is all black volcanic uh, lava. Um, and La Graciosa is not exactly the same as Lanzarote, even though it's so close. Wow. Um, it is very dry. It's got the beautiful, like, ready ochre tones to all of the land. Um, so it's slightly different to Lanzarote in that sense. Um, and then you've got these amazing beaches, which are white sand which a lot of the beaches in lanzarote are, are black sand of course um so it's just this cool environment to see the contrast of all the islands as well Fantastic. so are there i guess if we're north of lanzarote are you kind of looking for some of the beaches at least are you looking kind of back towards africa is it i guess it must be yeah that way so absolutely you're... so yeah yeah um so the yeah, the East Coast essentially is all looking towards yeah. the south of what would be uh, Morocco. Yeah, wow. Um, and actually, if you've been to the Canary Islands and you've ever been there on holiday, I'd, it can seem like it's foggy, and it's mm. not foggy, it's sand in the air, and it's the sand blowing over from the Sahara Desert. They call it Kalima. 
and it just makes it really hot and heavy. Interesting. Um, especially in the Eastern Islands. Um, it's something you need to experience at least once. Uh, everything looks and is covered in dust uh, afterwards. All your, I mean, it doesn't, put, it doesn't sound like outside. fun, but it doesn't sound like fun, but it's one of these things that you just have to, to experience to know. Exactly. Yeah. It's so typical of the islands that it's one of those things. It's kind of a rite of passage that you've you've experienced the Kalima. Oh, to, to uh, kind of be part of the, the yes. Canarian family, you have to. Well, Kalima, what's that? C-A-L-I-M-A, I assume, Kalima. Yes, Kalima, yes. And so they, yeah. And uh, you know if someone is has been there some time because someone will go, why is it so hot today? And they'll go, ah, oh, the Kalima. Uh, Kalima. And yeah, then when you say that, and then you're like, boom, you're part of the part of the family. Exactly. Then you, you know you're in. You know you're <laughs> part of, you know you're Canary Islander then. Um, yeah, which is, I I went to actually La, La Graciosa um, two years ago, no, it must have been, um, was pitching it to magazines, had mm-hmm. a few commissions, and then, as with most travel writers, uh, the Canaries went into a red zone of for COVID, and so all my commissions disappeared. So I had this lovely story that I desperately wanted to write about La Graciosa, but no, it's put it. Um, luckily, <laughs> I'd seen, uh, I think it must have been a tweet about Journey Magazine, and they were... Uh, crowdfunding for yep. the magazine and all this and i was like absolutely and i'm like that's where most of my money goes is crowdfunding magazines usually <laughs> um i'm a sucker for any magazine that's coming out you sure i can well, why not know, get i mean oh, it's a wonderful thing to, to get it. involved in right um, i think i bought 15 copies of issue one i don't know what i was playing <laughs> like, that's a bit good support uh, support the freelance kind of culture i yeah. think it's a wonderful thing and i loved i loved that ethos of it as well mm-hmm. the fact it was mostly freelancers who had lost a lot of work during the pandemic and it was supporting them you know and all those kind of things and then i actually met cav one of the founders yep. um at some events and i think i probably saw him at about four events over the same number of days <laughs> we kept bumping into each other and i think he was probably so fed up of seeing me in the end that he went do you want to write for the magazine <laughs> i mean that might not be the case originally la graciosa was not supposed to be the story that i wrote Oh, yeah. Here's a little bit of insider information for everyone. Um, Cam wanted actually to write about the the carnivals in the Canary Islands, Mm -hmm. which are huge. They're the biggest outside Rio. Uh, They happen every February. But because of the pandemic, they hadn't happened. And so I said, well, I could write about it, but it's not going to be the same because you can't get great images. And, you know, it's a bit different. And it would be lovely to do it sort of live, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, And so I said, but I've got this other thing that I desperately want to write about La Graciosa if you'd be happy with that. And so he was like, yes, absolutely. This sounds brilliant. It's an island that not many people have been to. It's a bit different. And I was like, yes, thank goodness. I get to finally put this piece out into the world. Fantastic. Just kind of speaking uh, practically, Ross, for a second, to get to La Graciosa, I guess it's mm. fly to Lanzarote or fly to one of the major Canarian islands and a boat from there. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So easiest to fly for Lanz- to, uh, to Lanzarote. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, yes, about... I think the boat takes about half an hour to get across from the north of Lanzarote, just over to to the island. Um, it's dead easy. The boats go, they're more like a water taxi. So I think yeah. there's one every hour or something like that, or every half an hour um, that go across. Really, really easy. Would advise that you can easily do it in a day. Um, you can stay on the island. There are some, There's not many uh, places to stay, um, but you can book out sort of Airbnb-style places. Um, and there is a campsite... I don't, you have to check whether it's reopened because it mm-hmm. was closed because they were doing some uh, work to it. But um, yeah, you can stay on the island if you want to. 
Great. Um, and you want to kind of get away from it all. It's absolutely the place to do that. But easy as a day trip too. Wonderful. There you go, folks. If you want to check out La Graciosa or... Is that? I guess it is a kind of a soft sea in that part of the world, not a th kind of sea like Spanish Spain. It is. It's a, an S sound, yeah. An S sound. So right. La Graciosa, which is available uh, or you know accessible from Lanzarote, and you can read all about it in issue two of Journey Magazine. Thank you for doing that piece for us, Ross. Thank you. No, you're more than welcome. Let's talk a little bit about the future, Ross. What are your kind of next trips or next stories? Any plans for the next few months? Well, I'm always... Back and forth to the Canaries, surprise, sure. surprise. Um, <laughs> it's and, ba and back and forth to Wales, um, which is great. So I'm planning on going to, hopefully going to Tenerife in the next couple of weeks Ooh, um, to interview some chefs out there, which will be fantastic. Um, and it's a dream, isn't it? Speak to chefs and go to Tenerife. Come on. Yeah, and nice. if they want to give me some samples of the food they're cooking, that's you know, I'm more than happy to it's just to for do the that readers, well. right? You just got to do exactly, it. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's why I always think. Um, and then maybe while I'm there, pop over to um, La Gomera, which is a tiny island just off the south of Love Tenerife, it, no. um, to potentially investigate the whistling language that they have there, um, wow. which I've never done before. Uh, I kind of want to try it. And try and learn it. I'm a prolific whistler around my flat. My flat, my driver's flat makes nuts, um, but not in this sense. So they, it's a language that was um, designed, I guess, to for farmers to uh, communicate across these deep ravines called barrancos, um, which are, were formed by the volcanoes. Mm -hmm. um, so they could communicate with each other across these giant ravines. Wow. Um, and it's based on uh, Castellano on Spanish, but there are thoughts that it does predate that, and there was some kind of whistling language Good Lord. before wow. for the original inhabitants of the island um, as well. But uh, it's one of those languages that was dying out um, because, you know, just uh, as languages tend to do if no one needs to, needs to speak them. Yeah. Um, and actually, a few years ago, uh, the Canary government decided to uh, start teaching it again in schools. And so hopefully... Wow. It will it will go. So I, I, I'm hoping to go and give it a, a go myself. Um, see if I can do it. <laughs> so the whistle, I guess, whistling Castellano. Stay tuned, uh, listen in, folks, and we'll maybe get Ross on the show in six months, you nine never months, know. and you can do some whistling language. Uh, I'll see if I can. Let's call it. Let's yeah, a bit of silver Gomera, We'll try. Fantastic. Uh, as we kind of start to to wend our way towards the end of this conversation, Rosa, thank you again for your time. Perhaps you could, um, you know, you've obviously had a, a varied and fascinating career. If there's anybody listening in who who's looking to get into travel journalism, looking to get into travel writing, even I guess even branded content, or even wants to be a travel writing lecturer one day, what kind of tips would you give to these people who are looking to to start out in the industry? Uh, yeah, sure. I try and give this information to my students all the time. Of course. Yeah. Um, mainly, it's it's kind of go for it. Yeah. It's put yourself out there uh, is the best thing you can do. Um, I usually say start as a generalist until you become a specialist. Nice. Um, until you find out where your niche is. Perhaps, you know, it might not be a destination. It might be a particular type of travel. You know, it could be family travel. It could be food. It could be all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. um, kind of find your niche and what you enjoy writing about um and the other big thing is if you want to be a travel writer is to write that sounds obvious okay. but even if you don't have a publication to put it in or no one wants your you know to take your articles have some kind of a blog a newsletter an instagram account sure. where you just 
write and put your your words out there. Um, and that's, I think, one of the, the most important things. And certainly when I was an editor interviewing people for jobs and work, yep. I would always ask them what what they've written kind recently. Of what's their presence? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, just tell me something you've written recently, even if it's for yourself. Like, you've got to, it's a it's a bit like learning any kind of like a musical instrument. I guess you have to practice it, otherwise it goes. And I think writing, you have to flex that muscle so often, um, and you you find your voice, you find your style as well that way. Um, Definitely, that's really a really interesting point, Ross. It's something that has never really crossed my mind. I mean. It's not like if you were a musician, you'd do nothing all day and then go to the Royal Albert Hall at night. I mean, there are people who are, you know, banging the ivories, as it were, day in, day out, just to be producing music, even when they're not, you know, on the stage or or whatever the phrase is. And that's a really 100% interesting point in that you, you can't just like never write and then bang out an article for Nat Geo Traveller and then continue to not write for the next few months. Absolutely. And I'm useless. I'm one, I'm useless without a deadline generally. But <laughs> I find if I haven't written in a little while, one, just putting pen to paper is more difficult. 100%. And also I get the I get the fear. I get the fear that it's gone and I can't do it again. <laughs> and I don't think that ever leaves you, which is a good thing in some ways. You know, like a lot of singers when they go on stage, they say, Oh, I always get I still get afraid before I go on, yeah, you know, on the stage. I get those nerves, but then they use those nerves. I think it's a bit like writing as well. Is if you haven't written in a while, you do get that little bit of a can I still do this? Will my words will they come out on the page? Um and I think that kind of practicing, constant practice helps helps with Definitely. That. This is wonderful. I'm getting a little bit of the insight into the Ross Clark lecturer mode <laughs> right now. This is fantastic. I feel like I just need to take my own advice. Is the <laughs> issue here? <laughs> well, I'll, you know, I'll take it. I'll, I'll learn from, <laughs> from that today. Every day is a school day. Uh, that's a really, really fascinating stuff for us. Thank you very much. Um, let's kind of, as I say, final question. Now we're wending our way towards the end of the conversation. How can people find you online? You know, Twitter, Facebook, website. How can they find you? Yeah, sure. So on Twitter, you can find me Ross W Clark. Um, on Instagram, you can find me. My name is a bit of a weird one. I always get asked about what it is, and it has it ties back to my being in the Canary Islands. So my name is the Giri, so the T H E, and then Giri G U I R I, and that means Giri in Spanish means foreigner, but the kind of um, tourist that wears sandals with socks and is a bright red from sunburn <laughs> and that kind of vibe. Um, but I was teased, you know, my friends in the Canaries called me when I was first there. Ah, you're such a giri, you're such a giri, you know, because <laughs> I was very, very pale, as I still am. Um, so it would go red instantly when I went in the sun. Um, and they kind of teased me with it. And then I thought, well, hey, let's own this. So let's like own this the, moniker. The, 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 the 1970s Western Supermare kind of Brit at the seaside. Absolutely. Kind of. Camera around the neck, sandals, probably sandals. handkerchief on the head. Hanky on the head, classic. Yeah, um, that, string vest maybe. Oh god, yeah, and the burn marks, like the kind of the patchwork burn Absolutely. marks. Absolutely, it's got to be done. You got to um, own something like that, definitely. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram there. That's uh, about that. Or uh, <laughs> yes, uh, rossclark.net if you want to check out some more of my articles. I mean, actually, let's talk about your Substack just very quickly as well. You oh publish yes, regularly on Substack. I do. I uh, this was a, again a, a lockdown thing. I wasn't writing, sure. and actually, I missed writing, and I was. I mean, I wasn't doing so much freelance work then either. I was more editing, but um, I missed that outlet for writing. Mm. And as I say, you need to practice it. You need to keep it, maintain it. Um, and I want to do something again that was very niche. Uh, so I decided to start a food newsletter all about Welsh food and food. culture. 
Wonderful. It's called the Welsh Kitchen. And if you just Google the Welsh Kitchen newsletter, or Welsh Kitchen Substack, you can find it. Um, and I write a free newsletter every month and then some paid for content. But it's, um, yeah, a bit about Welsh food and culture. You get a recipe from me. You get some tunes to add to your playlist and then a product or something you can buy um, that's made by a local Welsh producer. Fantastic. Well. So Ross W. Clark on Twitter, the Geary on Instagram, mm-hmm. and the Welsh Kitchen on Substack. Absolutely. Fantastic. I think that is just about all we have time for, I'm afraid. You've been listening to travel writer Ross Clark. It's been fantastic talking to you, Ross. Thank you thank so you much so. for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it. You've been listening to the Journey Podcast, which is available at journeymag.com. That's J-R-N-Y-M-A-G.com or wherever you usually access your podcasts. I'm Cy Wilmore. Thanks for listening and we'll speak to you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.